Good morning, everyone. This is a new experience for me. <laughs> so, good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Graham Baxter. Um, I'm married to my lovely wife, Shirley. We've been married for just over 30 years now. We have three grown-up children, and I'm pleased to say that my youngest son has been able to change his shift to be with us this morning. Thank you, David. We moved to Swindon uh, just over three years ago, and it's been such a blessing to be welcomed into this family and to be part of this uh, church. So thank you all for your welcome, and thank you for the way that you make family uh, so welcoming here in Gateway. As Nick said, we're in the third week of a preaching series looking at the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. And uh, I, can ho I hope that I can serve you as well as Anita did in the first week with her introduction to the whole book, and then Sharon did last week looking at chapter one. And before we pick up the story in chapter two, in case you've missed the last two weeks, I just want to give you a very quick um, recap so that you know where we are. We've heard how a family... Um, experienced and responded to family tragedy. Elimelech, Naomi, and their two sons left Bethlehem because there was a famine, and they went and settled in the land of Moab. The two sons both married Marabite, Moabite women, Ruth and Orpha. But tragically, Naomi's husband and later her two sons died leaving all three widows to fend for themselves. Naomi decided that her only choice was to return to Bethlehem in the hope that one of her relatives would take care of her. She urges Ruth and Orpha to return their families, but Ruth insists on leaving her people and her gods and going with Naomi to Bethlehem. They arrive at the beginning of barley harvest. And this is where we pick up the story in chapter 2. And I've enlisted the help of a few friends to read for us chapter 2. So if Shirley and um, Elizabeth and Theo and Anita and Beth, would, um, sorry, Robert and, and Beth would like to come up, So in order, of, in order of appearance in the narrative, we have the narrator, we have Ruth, we have Naomi, we have Boaz, and we have the servant in charge of the harvesters. And I don't want the rest of us to feel left out, so we have a line to deliver as well. And as they, most of them have had time to practice their lines, we're going to practice our line. It's a very short line. You can see it up on the screen in front of you. And this line is going to be delivered to Boaz later in the narrative. But if you'd like to just stay th say this on the count of three. So one, two, three. The Lord bless you. Let's pray it, say it once more. The Lord bless you. And again, the Lord bless you. 
So when that comes up on the screen, I want you to be ready to uh, shout out that blessing over Boaz. Okay, let's start. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favour. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She's the young woman, she's a young Moabite woman who came back from Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she continued, continued from early morning until now, except a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go and glean in other fields or leave this one. But keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping, and go after them. I have not charged the young men not to touch you. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favour in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her. All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told me. And how you left your mother and your father and your native land and come to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done. And the full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel under whose wing you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favour in your eyes, my lord, for you, have for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and dip your bread in the morsel. Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean, even in the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also, pull some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an epaph of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today, and where have you worked? 
blessed to be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you should be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Thank you very much. So uh, before we continue, I'd like to uh, pray for us all, if that's okay. Lord, you promise promise us that your word is alive and active, that it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. You promise that your word won't return to you empty, but will accomplish what you desire. So I pray that you will give us ears to hear, that you will give me the right words to say, and that, Lord, we will hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in chapter 2, we see that a new character enters this narrative, and that's the, the man Boaz. And the focus of the story really shifts to focusing on this interaction between Ruth and Boaz. And we see a sharp contrast between someone who is in great need, literally lacking the very basics of life, food and security, and someone with an abundance of both. And there are many, many lessons that we could actually take from this passage, but I just want to look at three of them today. And the first one, it's all actually about choices. Um, And really that's one of the main themes in the book of Ruth about choices. And the first choice that I want to uh, put before you is choose to make God your refuge. We're told in chapter 1 and verse 6 that Naomi decided to return to Bethlehem because she heard that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. In verse 16, Ruth makes that impassioned declaration of loyalty to Naomi including your people shall be my people and your God will be my God. Now, we don't really know what Ruth's understanding of the God of Israel actually was at that point in time. But she made a choice and a bold step of faith. And as we heard in the reading, when Boaz is explaining why he's showing favor to Ruth, one of the reasons he gives is that she has chosen to take refuge under the wings of the God of Israel. So this is the first lesson that we can take from this chapter. And we have a choice about it. Do we choose to make God our refuge, our source of security, protection and provision? Or do do we choose other people or other things to be our refuge? 
while I've been preparing for this um, preach, God has been challenging me about how I make him my refuge. And it's not just in times of crisis or emergency, but it's actually every day. So God is saying to me, start your day with me as your refuge, as your point of reference, as your rock. Listen to my priorities for you. I've been a Christian for just over 50 years uh, now, and I still find it a challenge. I'm still learning. I should be further along than I am, but I'm still learning. And we have to make that choice. Each one of us has to make that choice every day whether we're going to give a priority to God before we start the rest of our day. Are we going to listen to him, or are we going to just brush into our day and get on with the things that we've got to do, or just drift into it without taking that time to align ourselves and just tune in to what God wants for us? When I was thinking about this, um, two scriptures came to mind. Uh, The first is Psalm 91, and uh, this is a real, really favorite psalm of mine, and I return to it many times. And I had um, a particular um, experience um, when I was in my early 20s, when I was in Sri Lanka on a mission trip, and we were in the north of the country, and the territory that we were in, we were in a place called Jaffna, and it was the time when the Tamil Tiger terrorists were fighting the authorities in Sri Lanka. And some incident had happened, and there were black flags everywhere, and we'd been told that we had to stay in our hotel because it wasn't safe um, to go and visit the church or to go outside. And I think that... um, During that time, it's the sort of first time that I'd really experienced fear in my life and actually the most powerful experience of fear that I've had since, actually. And one of the people in the group said, we need to read Psalm 91, and we read this psalm. It says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. It's just such a powerful, wonderful thing to say. He's my refuge and my fortress. My God in whom I will trust, surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions or his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. We know that God is faithful. We know that we can put our trust in him. We know that if we make him our refuge, that's the safest place that we can be. The other scripture that came to mind was James 4 and verse 8. And it's a very well-known verse. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So encouraging that we can pray that, that we can take that step and know that God will come and meet us, that it won't just be an empty step, but God will come and meet with us. And the rest of that verse, which 
doesn't normally get quoted with that um, phrase, is that God understands that we, have, we sin, that we do things wrong, and that we have doubts. And those are the things that we don't need to hide from God. He wants us to bring them. When we're drawing near to him, he wants, to bring, he wants us to come as we are, not try and pretend, but own up and acknowledge the things that we're struggling with. So Ruth reminds us, choose God as our refuge. The second um, lesson I think that we can learn from this passage I felt God direct me to was the question, what is in your hand? In Moses, in Exodus rather, chapters 3 and 4, we have the encounter between Moses and the burning bush where God meets Moses in a dramatic and powerful way and tells him that he wants Moses to return to Egypt to lead the people of Israel out of slavery into the promised land. And Moses comes up with all sorts of excuses um, as to why God has chosen the wrong man for the job. I went through a few of them when I was thinking about whether I should do this preach or not. <laughs> but finally, in uh, chapter 4 and verse 2, God asks, what is in your hand? If you know the story, Moses says, a staff. And God tells Moses to throw the staff down. And when Moses throws the staff down, it becomes a serpent or a snake. And then God tells him to pick up the snake and it becomes a staff again. Now, you may be wondering what this has got to do with the book of Ruth and what we've just read. But as part of God's provision for the poor, God instructed the farmers to allow those who were in need to come and glean in their fields at the time of harvest, to come and get the leftover grain. And we can speculate that Naomi mentioned this custom to Ruth um, when they returned to the Promised Land, when they returned to Bethlehem. And in chapter 2, verse 2, she asks Naomi's permission to glean the leftover grain so that they'll have some food. So in this story, Ruth recognizes what is in her hand. She recognizes the provision that God has already made for her to provide food for herself and for Naomi. And we also hear that she works hard, that she worked all day, and it wasn't just one day's work, it was the whole season of the harvest where she was working and collecting grain so that they could eat. So even if we have very little, we can still make use of the gifts and the skills that God has given us. And it may be that it's the thing that you do most of the time that God says, that's what's in your hand. Use that gift, use that skill, whether that's unpaid work or paid work or something that you do in your spare time. I think God wants to remind us this morning that he's given us work to do. He's given us things that we can do to help ourselves and to help others. And so are we doing what God has asked us to do? 
It may just be as simple as taking time to listen to someone, taking time to take them some flowers, or have a cup of coffee with them, or give them an encouraging word. It doesn't have to be a big thing. But God has wonderful ways of taking all the little contributions that we make and creating something remarkable with them. The last area that I think um, God impressed on me that we want to look at this morning is being a blessing with your words and your resources. And Boaz is just such a great example of this. In verse 4, he greets his workers with the blessing, the Lord be with you. Now, it could be argued that this was just a conventional social greeting, but it's actually a very powerful blessing if we say it in faith. If the Lord is with us, who can be against us? If the Lord is with us, we can have the right perspective on our situation. So often, we don't have the right perspective on our situation. We don't see things from God's perspective in our lives. But if God is with us, then he can align our thoughts with his thoughts. He blesses Ruth, Boaz blesses Ruth, in in both what he says to her and the way he treats her. It is true that under God's commandments to the Jewish people, Boaz was one of the relatives with a special legal responsibility to help Elimelech's family if they got into difficulties. It says in verse 20 that he was one of the family redeemers. And you can look up more about that in Leviticus 25, 25 to 55 for more details. And in addition to this, there was God's general command for his people to look after widows, orphans, and foreigners. But Ruth, as the narrator tells, told us on several occasions during that passage, was a Moabitess. And we need to know that there was history between the Israelites and the Moabites. So much so that in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 3 to 4, we read that Moabites who settle in Israel were to be excluded from the assembly of the Lord for 10 generations. And the reason for this serious um, restriction was that when the Israelites were traveling from Egypt to the Promised Land, they refused to help them. They refused to give them bread or water when they were um, traveling through Moabite. And they even hired Balaam to curse the children of God. Quite interesting because um, Balaam was not able to curse the children of God. He had to bless them instead. So let's look in a little bit more detail at how uh, Boaz treats Ruth. Firstly, um, he treats her with respect and he speaks to her directly. He was a man of power and influence, and he could quite easily have just asked the servant who was in charge of all the workers to speak to her. But he speaks to her directly. He addresses both her physical and her emotional needs. He provides a way that she can gather food for herself and her mother-in-law. 
He gives her permission to drink the water provided for the harvesters. He puts her mind at ease by telling her that he's told his men not to touch her. Other translations make this more explicit, that he's told his men not to molest her. In that cultural setting, as a young widow from another country, she'd have been especially vulnerable. So he puts her mind at ease. Ruth boldly asks Boaz why he is treating her so kindly. Boaz replied that he's heard all about the loyalty that she, he's shown, she's shown to Naomi and how she's left her homeland and come to another country. So Boaz prays a blessing over her. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. He prays God will repay her for what she's done. She's taken great risk in leaving her home to live in an enemy country to look after Naomi. And she's put Naomi's needs above her own and left what little security she might have had in Moab. Boaz prays that she'll be richly rewarded by the Lord because she's chosen the God of Israel over the gods of Moab. During the meal, Boaz shows her further kindness by inviting her to share the food with the other workers. And he instructs the workers deliberately to leave some stalks of grain for her to glean. He also invites her to glean with his workers until the end of the harvest so that she can stay safe. So what are some of the characteristics, what are some of the things that we can see that Boaz has demonstrated in this passage. He's shown Naomi respect, acceptance, inclusion, provision, protection, affirmation, care, consideration, and God's blessing. So Boaz is such a great example to us of using our words, our time, our resources to bless someone in need. And equally importantly, Boaz directs Ruth's attention towards God. So how can we apply this in our lives? I was uh, reminded that in the New Testament, Jesus commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And when a Jewish expert in the law asks the question, who is my neighbor? Jesus replies with the parable of the Good Samaritan. So Jesus chooses a person that the Jews at that time would have, would have treated with contempt, someone from a different culture, a different religion, who they looked down on. And Jesus said to this religious leader, that's your neighbor. So the, the lesson that we can take from that is that anyone and everyone can be our neighbor. We have to acknowledge that we all have prejudices about other people for all sorts of different reasons. But Jesus challenges us, 
over these prejudices. He doesn't want us that he doesn't want these prejudices to stop us from being a blessing to people that we have that prejudice against. In Matthew 7 and verse 12, Jesus adds, So whatever you wish to do to you, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. A few weeks ago, um, I was in Athens um, for a conference. And I hadn't even got from the airport to my hotel when I discovered that my wallet had been stolen on the metro. And um, the next day, sort of thinking about it, and um, I felt God say to me, I want you to bless the person who stole your wallet. My instinctive reaction was not very godly, I have to say. Really? <laughs> you can't be serious. It's quite John McEnroe. <laughs> um, but reluctantly, I prayed a blessing on the person or persons who stole my wallet. And as um, I started to pray, God gave me words uh, to pray for them. Jesus tells us, of course, that it's not just a matter of loving people that we like, that we get on well with. They're not just our neighbors, but that we're to love our enemies and to pray for those that persecute us or mistreat us in some way. So many of us have opportunities to bless other people, even when we're reluctant to do, to do so when it goes against the grain. And we may never know or never see the results of our actions or our prayers. But that doesn't really matter because the prayers are for God and it's up to God what he chooses to do with them. So that's my last encouragement is let's be like Boaz. Let's choose to be a blessing to others. So these are the three challenges I feel God wants to bring to us this morning. Will we choose to make God our refuge? Not just in times of crisis, but in every day. And if we do it every day, we'll be in a far better position when a point of crisis comes in our lives. God invites us to trust him and allow him to be our security. We know that he's faithful in our heads and we just need to put it into action, action in our lives. Will we choose to use what God has put in our hands to do? Some people might feel that um, they haven't got very much in their hands. God hasn't given them very much. That um, they're gleaning around the edge of the fields and they don't feel that it's very significant. But as we will see later in the story, we know how significant Ruth's actions were. Sometimes we don't know the significance of what we do, but we commit it to God and let him work out his plans and purposes in our own lives and in others. And will we choose to be a blessing to other people 
with our words, with our prayers, and with our resources. I've been challenged to speak blessing or to pray blessing over people. I work um, for a Christian company, and actually I can put blessings in my emails to people, which is a really nice thing to do. And I can pray for people during my work, which is a, a great privilege as well. Will we try and put others at ease when we see people have concerns or are anxious? Will we try to put people at ease with the way that we speak to them and treat them? And will we point people to God? Because it's not about pointing people to ourselves, but it's about pointing people to God because he's the one that can work in people's lives. He's the one that can change their hearts and do amazing miracles. He's the one that can heal them and set them free. We can't do those things, but God has the power to be able to do it. So I'd like um, to invite you just to take a very small step now, and um, I'd like you to pray the Lord bless you um, for the person on either side of you. Don't have to add any more than that. Just those few words, the Lord bless you. But before we actually pray that, um, I'd like you to think, and well, I'd like you to ask God, actually, what area do I need blessing in? And it may not be the area that you think God says to you. You don't have to tell the other person or say anything to anyone about it. But just ask the Lord, what area do I need blessing in my life? And then if the person next to you would just pray, the Lord bless you. And then pray it back, the Lord bless you. And... Um, if you're comfortable with this, try to remember to pray a blessing on that person every day this week. And allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. I think that you might find that as you are praying, God will give you words uh, and areas of their lives to pray blessing into. So is that all right? okay to do that so let's just take one moment to listen to God and ask what area does he want blessing in my life and then ask the person next to you just to pray the Lord bless you thank you thank you everyone um, there were two things I felt good uh, impressed on me for one or two people here. The first is, um, if you've never made God your refuge, then we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to talk, you, talk, talk to you more about making God your refuge for the very first time. And the other thing that I felt God impressed upon me was that there may be one or two people who are really experiencing a period of 
high stress or anxiety in their lives. And if you identify with that, then I'd love to pray for you as well. Or one of us will pray for you afterwards. So if you've never made God your refuge before, then I invite you to come and talk to us. Or if you're experiencing high stress or anxiety, then and you'd like someone to pray with you, then do come to the front afterwards. Thank you.